0: Forgive me if I rhyme, but it's our time. Time to get everybody up off the sideline. No more second guessing what's next. Authentic Narrative on The Handle Media Project. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Handle Media Project. This is the place online for authentic conversation conversations about immigration, immigration reform. And I'm very happy to welcome Angelica um, from Oklahoma. Uh, She's joining us here for uh, this conversation, which I'm very excited to have. It's very timely, and, um, you know, I think this is going to be a great conversation. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good.
0: Great. Um, So first thing that I, you know, um, so you were on CNN recently um, for the uh, Paul Ryan uh, town hall, and that's where I saw you, and, uh, you know, something funny is that my friends uh, said to me, you know, I don't really watch your show. And this is people who aren't really involved in immigration. So they said to me, you know, I don't really watch your show. But if you had that woman who was on CNN asking the question, then I would watch. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get her on so you can watch my show. So thank (laughs) you so much for deciding to be here. So more people, um, because I think people really uh, wanted to know more about you after that appearance. Um, So I'm very happy that you're on here.
2: no, Thank you for having me. I... I don't think I do a lot of interviews, um, but the ones that I get asked to be on, it's always been an honor to do them because not everybody, sometimes we're just a little bit scared being out there in camera or whatever the situation is, we just don't, sometimes we don't like it, so... I have built up the courage to actually just do it, and it's like, okay, let's get it over with. (laughs) So, yeah, no, thank you for having me.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely, it takes a lot of courage, and you know, I I hope that in this space, you know, you don't feel like, you know, it's something to just get over with. It's just something, you know, just here to ask questions, just learn about who you are and um, about the great things that you do for your community. Uh, So first question, you know, I see that you've been involved in the immigrant rights movement since 2006 um it's now 2017 how tired are you (laughs) (laughs)
2: um physically I think I still have a lot to go on I still have the strength to wake up every morning go to work come back and do all the work that I do after hours Mm -hmm. um emotionally I'm getting tired um I think that As I become more aware, I go out more out into the public. I do interviews like the one on CNN. Um, I don't read comments sometimes because I just don't want to have that negativity, especially because they are not in my shoes. And some of these people are so ignorant that don't even want to be in my shoes. Um, I am a person that, um, you know, I'm a woman of, faith and I always said, you know, this como dice said the second um commandment is treat um others as you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I tell my kids when I when I tell them exactly that, I said, and even if they don't treat you well, you gotta be patient. Right. right. Because you don't know what's happening in their life that makes them um act that way with you. Um so that's how I feel. Um you know they're even if you were not a person of faith. You want to treat others like you want to get treated. And I think some people don't, they don't go by those rules. They don't understand what that means. They're just so much ignorance and so much anger towards, you know, us immigrants in general, not just Hispanic, not just Mexicans, you know. Of course. Just in general, they have so much hate. So, you know, that's pretty much, you know.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, for myself, um, so I read that you had started in 2006. And, like, in 2006, I was still in grad school and, like, just beginning wanting to, you know, work on immigration. So the fact that you've been working on this for 10, almost 10 years plus, And, you know, with no signs of things really changing at this point. I mean, I just can't imagine, like, just how exhausted you must be. Um, so I definitely want to commend you for continuing to uh, push and fight and... um. You know, even, again, just displaying the courage to go on national television um, after all this and to stand up and, and share your story. That, that takes a lot. I think it's
2: very important that we do. Um, I think that I was in Washington, D.C. for a whole week there. And um, before that, we were in a few meetings here in Oklahoma City, meeting with some of our representatives. And they, some of them that want to get involved in more in the Hispanic community, they're asking for us to share our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, So when I was in Washington, D.C., I met, um, I was in the office of Senator Langford, which he represents our district here, one of our senators here in Oklahoma. And, um, you know, he was getting, uh, he was in in talks of finding out what the Bridge Act was. Right. If I wasn't in his office, I wouldn't find out that he wants to get more information on on, on whether he wants to support it or not. So. I think it's very important for us that, uh, you know, that we are sharing our stories, mm-hmm. definitely. So for me, having that opportunity to be in CNN, um, you know, when I was asked if I wanted to be, I was like, yeah, I would do whatever you want me to do because yeah. I was there. I was I was there with a purpose. We had an agenda. I was going to meet with congressmen. I was going to be meet with senators. We were there with a purpose. So. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it took, I was going to do definitely. So share stories is what, you know, the main goal. We need to continue doing that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so last week I had a, a young lady from, um, I, I think, Nevada. She's from Nevada. And so she appeared and she said, you know, I'm deciding to share my story for the first time right now um, in 2017. Um, but she felt shame because she felt that, you know, like she had benefited from DACA and from all the people who came before her who really put in this work to, um, to pass the legislation. And she said, you know, but now I feel, you know, like I need to speak out. I need to step out. So what would you say to people like Stephanie who, um you know, are just right now finding the courage and, but say, you know, hey, you know, may, maybe it is too late for me to join or may, maybe I don't know if this is the right time to step forward. What what advice would you give folks like that?
2: I don't think that it's never too late to make a change, right, or to decide to do something and make a change. We definitely um, need a lot more people. Um, I would never judge a person because they never got involved since the beginning. I didn't got involved Remember that the DREAM Act bill started in 2001 Mm -hmm. in California. A lot of people don't know the difference between DACA and the DREAM Act bill.
0: Of course. you know the same thing.
2: Exactly. And a lot of people are not aware. They're still calling it the DREAM Act. But it's never too late to go out there and um, join organizations within your city or your state um, that can help you uh, understand what what we're going through and where we need the help. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter whether you are volunteering with uh, an immigrant organization or you want to help maybe in something else, healthcare. care, um, you know, um, uh, support Planned Parenthood or whoever you want to do. But it's never too late to start helping and putting your your granito de arena, como decíamos. Right. Um, so I would say. You know, if you're ready to join the fight, join the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, we are needing a lot more people now. We need to make calls. We need to organize. We need to do informational forums in our city so our community is informed. So don't forget about what you could have done way before. Forget about that. It's time that it's already passed. You're not going to gain it back. Move on and think about what you can accomplish and what you, you can help and in, in in your present and your future, so definitely, if that's what you feel right now, go out there and join an organization that is fighting for something that has meaning to you.
0: Yes, and and I hope that in listening to your words, you know people are inspired to you know step forward if they're you know feeling that lack of coverage um, at the moment. But so in doing so, I'd love to uh, learn about your origins in the immigrant rights movement and a little bit about your backstory if you're willing to share that with us.
2: So. I come from Celaya, Guanajuato, Mexico. I always, I am very proud of my culture. I'm very very proud of being Mexican. I'm not proud of my government, but I am proud of being Mexican. Um, Where La Cajeta comes from and Las Momias de Guanajuato, it's always been a legend. Um, I've been in the United States for 21 um, and a half years now. Um, I'm a mother of four. Beautiful girls who I bring along. Yes, with me. beautiful.
0: Your daughter is very beautiful. Yes.
2: So I always bring them with me. Um, one of the things I want to tell you is that before 2006, I was not sharing my own personal story with my children. Mm-hmm. I was trying to keep them away from that suffering, from the struggle. Um, obviously they didn't know I was undocumented. I was, I didn't know what I wasn't documented until I was 18 yeah. and I still didn't comprehend what being undocumented was. I wanted to get a license. My dad told me you can't get one cause you don't have papers. And I didn't know what that meant because I was already driving. Yeah. Um, I started working, I was already making money, but in 2006, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was diagnosed with ADHD and she needed a controlled substance. And I couldn't get it because I did not have a driver's license or a valid ID to be able to get that medication. I had to struggle with family members who are citizens or who are legal permanent residents. Les tenía que pedir chichi, you know, and it was so hard that I couldn't even get my daughter's medication. Obviously, I would break down every time I would call them and ask them that it was that time of the month where I needed them to go with me to the pharmacy. And when we had our first immigrant movement here in Oklahoma, more than 15,000 people gather at the state capitol on May 1st of 2006. And it's like, I have to do something. I cannot even the way I am, I was able to go back on my GED in 2005. Mm-hmm. I started college. I earned myself a full right scholarship um, to one of the universities here in Oklahoma, which I lost in 2008 because of the anti-immigrant bill in Oklahoma 1804. Okay. It wasn't that I lost it; they just didn't know how to read the law. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "You know what? We're just going to be on the safe side, and we know you've already been in the program, you know, for three years." But unfortunately, we're going to have to cut you off because we don't know how to take this new law. Mm -hmm. So they removed me from the scholarship program, which I didn't continue my studies. I was doing psychology degree in a nursing. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to go back to school and finish that that last year that I had because I only need one more year to graduate. But I Mm -hmm. haven't been able to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I reached out to the college, uh, the university, and they said, you know what? I think because you're undocumented, we don't I don't think you can enroll. So they completely calm me off. Later on, I I I I saw that it was because of the lack the lack of information. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is not going to happen to me again. I'm going to get educated one way or another. I started reading a lot about immigration law, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's what I started doing. I started, you know, working with churches at the beginning. So my my early uh, organizing started with churches. So I would go around churches and and ask people, um, you know, questions. And they said, you know, this is what the current Oklahoma statutes are. Um, you know, you're not supposed to do this if you get pulled over. These are your options and stuff like that without even being involved in our organization. Um, later on, and in, in, I'm going to fast forward a little, yeah. my sister got um, sent back to Mexico. She would have mm-hmm. been eligible for DACA. But for the lack of resources, um, mm-hmm. she took the voluntary departure. Wow. Obviously, later on, she came back. Um, She's still undocumented because she was not eligible for DACA, and even though she's married with a U.S. citizen, there's not a waiver for her Mm -hmm. right now, so there's not, you know, there's nothing that we can do for her to help her. Um, I got involved with Dream Act, Oklahoma in 2012, right after DACA passed, and it's kind of funny because... I was so excited to find out that we had an organization in Oklahoma that was, you know, part of the Dreamers. And it's like, how can I did not hear about this before?
1: Right.
2: Yeah, I started going after them and I made lots of calls until they finally returned my call. Um, And I've been stuck with them ever since. We became an affiliate lead of United We Dream. I believe it was in 2013. Um, And we've been, we're still an affiliate lead with them. Um, And, you know, that's, I... Volunteer with the YMCA, Make a Wish, Neuro Research Outreach, it's a clinic for people with disabilities, uh-huh. and that's what I—that's everything I've been doing so far. So I'm—I'm here. I'm excited to do the things that I do. I do. People sometimes it's hard to believe. I—I I even find it hard for myself to believe, but I do suffer from depression.
0: Uh huh. I am. I mean, suit- right, right here. I've been. I last year, yep. all of last year, I suffered with depression. So just. Uh-huh.
2: I was Any just asses. recently diagnosed um, suicidal, but wow, okay. uh, I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. here. I love my kids. My kids have been the the part that is keep me where I am. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, you know, my, my children and, and being around people, I think that's why I stay busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't have to do the things that I think about doing. So, yeah. you know, I'm here.
0: Well, There's thank so- you, thank you so much for uh, putting that out there. I think that you know, definitely within these interviews, I um, I speak to. I'm open about my own uh, suffering with depression that I had um, most of last year. I mean, I, I still suffer somewhat from depression this year, but um, because I I I want to try to like get people to like open up and share their own stories and, you know, to, to, you know, be able to share to people watching this that, you know, that the person next to them or like the person on their Facebook, like is going through exactly the same thing that you're going through. So I just want to thank you so much for being so open about that. And, and, you know, suicidal thoughts as well. I mean, that's, that's something that I've struggled with as well since I was a teenager. So again, just thank you so much. It's just really No, important.
2: I think it's, uh, um, it took me a while. I think I knew I was suicidal a couple of years now but i tried to ignore it mm-hmm. now that it's actually that i'm starting to get help and that it's real i just need to continue talking about it because it does me no good to keep it inside
1: right. and if
2: someone is thinking to go through the same situation I would tell them the same thing. You need to talk to people. People mm-hmm. don't know what you're going through unless you tell them. Right. So when I meant you need to share your story, I meant it. You need to share your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to, to get information. I mean, you need to talk to the you know, the right people. People right. are not gonna be able to help you if you don't talk to them and let them know what you're going through.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I um see uh my therapist till this day and it's it's makes all the difference. So Yes, a hundred percent. Wow. Okay, <laughs> that was heavy. Oof. Okay. Um, so, so a few things. Um, I was definitely impressed by your work with uh, Make a Wish and the YMCA. Uh, would love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, you know how you got involved in those causes.
2: Um, so my first volunteer work that I did with an organization was with NeuroRe. Neuro research outreach um, services, and it's a a clinic for people with disabilities, whether you were born with a disability, uh, whether uh, it was through an accident that you became disabled. They were the first organization that opened the doors for me to volunteer because, as you know, most organizations require you to have a social security number to do a background check. Mm -hmm. When I started with them back in 2010, I didn't have that social security but I met the, you know, the founder of the organization that I became really good friends with and she supported me. And she said, you know, if you want to volunteer, we need volunteers. Mm -hmm. So I started volunteering there first as interpreter and I would translate some of the flyers, the work that they had because they started getting some Hispanic people to come to their clinic and ask for the services. Mm -hmm. It's a clinic. It's a free clinic. Um, it goes down on, on donations. Um, after the cuts of Medicaid here in the state, um, They couldn't uh, actually charge some of the physical therapy to the Medicaid, so they still stayed open till this day. And I volunteered; I still volunteer with them from time to time Mm -hmm. um, to uh, at the fundraisers to be able to raise money for the clinic. Um, Then I move on to the YMCA, and that was because my kids were growing, and it's like I want to get them involved. I'm a soccer fan; Las Chivas, Chivas for life. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. I uh, I'm a very big. you know, fan and um, follow the World Cup and all of that. And I was like, I got to get my kids involved. Mm -hmm. I signed them up for soccer season um, in fall. I think it was in 2011. And the first season was good. The second season in spring of 2012, it turns out that they didn't have a coach. And I was like, how bad can it be? So I asked them what they needed. And they said, well, we require this. So DACA came during that time. And I was able to send in my application. I got a proof. I got my social security number like around in the, uh, I'm sorry, this was like fall of 2012. Got my social right on time when they asked me for it to run the background check. Wow. And I sent it and um, I sent in the application. I got, uh, I guess I got signed up for soccer coaching. It was, it went horrible. Okay. <laughs> I signed up for three teams because they're the ages of my three girls. So Uh-oh. it was the the six, the under six, the um, the under ten, and the under twelve. Mm-hmm. And I signed up with all of three of them. I was coaching all by myself, three teams, two a week, games all day Saturday. Wow. Okay. I would walk. It was on the same field, so I would walk because sometimes I had the games at the same time for two teams and i would ask one of the parents to step in for me i would walk from one field to the other field half time right <laughs> crazy one of my my 10 and under kids because they were a little older um they lost every single game that season okay. i felt horrible and it's like i want to try this again i did it for um three years and wow. i quit because i got involved more involved with Dream Act, Oklahoma, and it's right. like, I can't handle too much, but that's how I got with, uh, uh, with the YMCA was because I got it, my kids involved in, in extra activities after school. Mm-hmm. The Make-A-Wish Foundation, I have a nephew who has muscular dystrophy.
1: Okay.
2: <clears throat> um, he was refer- referred to Make-A-Wish and they were needing, um, I helped them with the translation throughout the process. the process, mm-hmm. And, the wish grantor that was assigned to my nephew asked me, why don't you volunteer? Mm-hmm. You know, you will be a great translator. And I was like, I don't know, I don't think I have the time. So she started telling me how it work. I was like, okay, well, let me try this. So I went in, I drove to Tulsa, which is almost about a, an hour, 40 minute drive from Oklahoma to take a training. Okay. I took it, I've been a wish grantor ever since. Um, it's a very difficult situation. It's for kids who have a terminal disease and, uh, you know, um, some of them, um, unfortunately I have just recently had a kid that didn't even make it to the first interview. Um, it's very unfortunate, but I got involved in it and it's like, if I can do something and I can change someone's life, Mm -hmm. why not? Um, you know, with the, um, and then dream Act Oklahoma been since then I hear, here and there, I've been around, but that's right. pretty much how I started volunteering is because there was something that I came across with this organizations that, you know, it just made me want to volunteer.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely. It sounds that from the Dream Act, YMCA, um, the um, disabilities uh, organization, um, and Make-A-Wish, it's, it's all come from a place of need. It's come, come from a place of self-empowerment, I see, or like being able to have a mechanism to like make a difference. Um, very commendable.
2: I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a rich person. So it's like I cannot donate all the time, but why not my time? You know, I can spend one hour watching a program on TV like a Novella. Right. Um, why not donate some, some of that uh, to time to, you know, some of these organizations? Make a wish has the money. Hmm but they don't have the volunteers. They're always needing volunteers, especially bilingual volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was like, you know, cause I always said, if I ever come across money, I'm going to donate. And by when I started doing, you know, these type of volunteer works, I realized that it's not just money running these organizations. It's also the volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if I can have, I still watch TV though. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I still have time sure. to watch a show here and there, but, Um, I was like, you know, if I can do something and and, and I can, you know, just spend a little bit of my time, why not? And bring my kids along to some of these events or some of these volunteer work that I do is it's my way of telling them that it's not just about me. It's Mm -hmm. also about my neighbor in need. So, you know, that's why I I win it.
0: That's that's very inspiring. Um, You know, when you were uh, telling the story about um, the coaching of the soccer, so I'm not that big of a soccer fan, and I'll tell you why. And I do, I do like the spirit of the World Cup, but um, my dad sits in the room and watches TV all day long. But and you know he wanted me to play soccer. Unfortunately, I can't kick the ball correctly. Like there's something about the way that I kick, I kick with my foot that like the ball goes all the way over there. So like because I can't kick the ball correctly, I, I don't watch soccer. I, I I like basketball because I'm semi good at basketball, but um. You know, unfortunately, like, and there was a season that uh, when I was like, I don't know, like twelve, where my team lost every single game that season. <laughs> like, and I, I remember even in the last game, like the ball was kicked from the goalie into the other goal, um, all the way across the field. So <laughs> I don't have great experiences with soccer. Um, okay. uh so what I would love to hear about growing up in Oklahoma. I'm from Long Island, New York. Um. You know, I am from a place called Brentwood, where um, it was initially Italian and Puerto Rican, but then, like, the Salvadorans uh, refugees from the Civil War uh, settled in, in the community. Um, so, it's mostly a Salvadoran community. I grew up around, um, uh, you know, a lot of my friends are Salvadoran. I love pupusas. Um, I'm Ecuadorian and Guatemalan myself. But, um, you know, I grew up in a very Salvadoran town on Long Island. So I'd love to hear what it's like growing up in Oklahoma. I have no idea what it's like to live in Oklahoma, to be from Oklahoma. Um, all I know is that the Sooners are from Oklahoma, I believe. But Yeah, yeah they
2: are. I'm not a big football pa- fan, so they mm-hmm. always relate that, too. I'm going to tell you something. I do, I for the longest time, I told people I don't like to read, but I, I read so much. you have no idea. My daughter actually told me, Mom. For a person that does not like to read, you read a lot.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And she said, I don't think that you like the idea of a book because everything I have books in my phone and I read my phone, but I don't read a book. Right. So from Oklahoma, I can I'm not going to lie to you. Uh-huh. I don't know too much about the history, but I want to tell you my history.
0: Sure.
2: When we first moved into Oklahoma a year after the bombing, my we just lost an aunt. She had my my cousin in 1995. A few months, she missed the bombing by, um, I would say, about three or four months, okay. right? Um, coming to Oklahoma after the bombing, everybody was very, at least the people that we saw, they were nice people. They were, I guess, going through that whole, uh, you know, emergency disaster that had been the bombing. Um, People at that time were still healing. They were still, you know, they were very protective of the community. It was mostly the community that I was in. It was mostly white, Mm -hmm. very few African-Americans. I always, I grew up in the south side of Oklahoma City, which is right the center, um, very close to downtown. And it was very quiet. Um, I have family that lives in Chicago and Houston, some in California. And I've traveled to, um, which is Texas and then in Illinois Mm a couple of times over the years. And I can tell you, I I am so happy to come back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a very small state. It's very quiet. I mean, still things still happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But over the years, when especially after 2006, when we had La Marcha, um, a lot of Conservatives realized the, the the community, the Hispanic community, the immigrant community was growing so much. Mm-hmm. They became very racist, mm-hmm. and wow. you know that's how they came out with the um, the 1804 bill, mm-hmm. which it was kind of similar to the SSB 1070? 1070 from Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, it's the, that's how they came out because we mobilized in March and uh, May. 2006 and they saw these 15,000 people in the state yeah. capitol and they got so scared
0: right
2: and one of the biggest um I won't say problem but I think one of the, the things that happened after that marcha was that the main organizers and I would say even myself because when I got involved in it I we didn't know what was going to happen after that so we never planned after that mm-hmm. so that's how this. Bill came to be a bill, and they actually voted for it, and it passed because we didn't organize to fight against it right. We were new at this whole thing um, and ever since that bill, every t- time there is a, a opportunity for either a state senator or representative to come out with the stupid stupid bills, mm-hmm. they do it right and um, right now. You know, thank God for the last year since 1804, they haven't actually been able to do anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They haven't been able to pass because 1804 was so bad back then. Mm -hmm. People were actually moving out of Oklahoma, just like it happened in Arizona, you know, and um, because of that, um, business owners actually started, you know, kind of attacking them and say, you know, we're not going to support this. Right. Um so so far it's been very conservative very racist sort of. Mm-hmm. Um I was so glad that Oklahoma City did not vote for Trump. They actually it was it was just Oklahoma City was the only city really? in the state that was Democrat. Uh-huh. Other than that, everybody else was red and it's, yeah. it was very disappointing. Um but I still love Oklahoma. I I love our community, we do get together, I think. Sometimes we fail to support certain, certain things, but I think mm-hmm. this is everywhere. Um, but Oklahoma is one of those states that it's quiet enough to, like, you get to go to Dallas and be at a concert or something in mm-hmm. a busy city that keeps you on the freaking highway for like an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> um, And then you come back to Oklahoma and it's like, oh, it's so relaxing. I love the quiet. Um, And, you know, that's Oklahoma for me.
0: Wow. Okay. That's that's such an interesting narrative to hear. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's... uh, Have you ever uh, experienced um, blatant racism in Oklahoma? I don't...
2: Directly, no. I don't think so. So it's more just
0: like racist policies and like, you know, just feeling that the Latino community is attacked by the legislature. Yes, and...
2: um... So personally, I haven't, but i I do see uh, I come across people that have gone through instances where they've been ra- they've been um, attacked um, racially, mm-hmm. um, either at the store, or parking lot, and things like that. So we have had some instances, but personally, I have not.
0: Okay. Any, I mean, um, what do you think is like one story that people need to hear um, of you know something racist that has happened?
2: So. Um, so right after the primaries in Oklahoma last year. Uh-huh. So Bernie Sanders was the the winner here in Oklahoma for the Democratic Party. Um, I was helping. Ho- I hosted one, an event uh, for Bernie. and It wasn't actually for Bernie, but it was. I had um, Cesar Vargas come out mm-hmm. to do a forum here. And I bought myself some Bernie Sanders T-shirts and. One of uh, our friends um, from our volunteers with Dream Oklahoma also had some of those t shirts. We sent them to the store, and we had these two white guys. By the by the way, the girls were underage. Mm-hmm. One of them was my daughter, and um, they started, you know, attacking them um, verbally. Yeah. They started classing at the, and they were girls,
1: uh-huh.
2: and it's like. I was like, did you call the police? And said, Well, no, but the clerk at the gas station, mm-hmm. you know, did say something. Mm-hmm. But I, I was at that moment, I felt afraid of even wearing having my girls wear a t shirt that right. said something negative or the people will, will look at negative. Yeah. And, um, and I asked my daughter, You know, how you, you know, how are you doing? And then I asked also Elizabeth. And she said, well, we did get a little afraid about that because they came close to us. And I said, if this ever happens to you again, you call the police. Right. And I could not believe. I mean, my daughter does not look 18. I mean, she looks definitely 15 and she's only 13 now. Mm-hmm. She was 12 at the time. But it was like, I cannot believe that two grown ass men will go after girls just because wearing a Bernie Sanders T-shirt. Yeah. But it happened.
0: Yeah. it's Mm -hmm. it's disgusting it's really disgusting um yeah i mean stories see a lot of stories like that i mean of course they're shared but it's just such a immense amount that happens that doesn't get heard by the public and like you know you know i mean right now i'm just thinking about my friend here on long island who told the story of in 2006 how like her family set up a prayer um in her house and there were people in the community with motorcycles like threatening to kill them, like right outside their home while they were doing a prayer. But like these stories like need to be heard. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate Definitely. that. Definitely.
2: We went on vacation a couple of years ago and we went to, it was a road trip. So we went all the way from, um, Kansas to Nebraska, South Dakota. We went to Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. We took, a um, eight, um, eastern so we went to wisconsin we stopped at a mcdonald's Mm -hmm. way over there we were making fun of the cheese you know wisconsin the sticky cheese and all that stuff we sat at the mcdonald's and there was this uh, it was like three different old people's uh, old people Mm -hmm. and there were couples and they were sitting together eating and as soon as we sat down on the table they started uh, they started talking about all this racist stuff Mm -hmm. like i feel for the people at the border that all these legal immigrants are and they started literally talking about it and i have my youngest daughter is eight and i had my kids with me and they were listening to all this bullshit and it's like my daughter just told me straight out and she said are you listening to what they're saying and i was like yes and i told my kids i was like they're just ignorant people and i told them we're not gonna speak english so just speak Spanish right and my two little ones are you know have a little trouble with the Spanish but Uh they were trying and we were just like not mocking them but it's like we're gonna talk Spanish if that pisses them off that's their problem and I was willing to you know stand up and say something to them but we were you know we were so hungry we were just eating right we did not care but it's like here in Oklahoma Personally, none of that has ever happened to me. But when we were out of the state, it's like I cannot believe. And it's like I was telling my girls when we got back in the car and got back in the road because they kept, you know, uh, talking about it. And it's like I cannot believe that people will, you know, refer themselves like that if they don't even live in the border. You know, I've been to El Paso Tejas and it's like it's really hard hard to see a white person. It's so like they don't even live in the fucking border and they're having opinions about, you know, how, you know, they're, you know, they're suffering in the border and that they really feel for all these, you know, property owners and stuff right. like that. And it's like, you don't. I mean, mm-hmm. you cannot talk about something that you don't know. Yeah. And before you open your mouth, you know, go and learn something about it first.
0: Yeah. But I, mean, the, I mean, those those ranchers in Texas, like they gave my dad opportunities to work. You know they—they, they, you know, a lot of them were welcoming. You know, when my father was uh, traveling to the United States, um, undocumented, uh, they gave him opportunities. So I mean, they—they—they, they, they, like you're saying. I mean, honestly, I don't even know like what happens at the border. I've never been to Texas on on you know that that you know on the border. So you're right. People people don't don't know. And I mean, the fact that you're able to keep your composure with your kids with you, I praise you. I praise you because, I mean. Ah, it just it just takes an immense amount of patience to be able to to hold the composure.
2: My my kids have seen me mad and and sometimes um, when there are situations like that and you know I I control myself. My kids then kind of make fun of me because she said you even though you didn't say anything we can see it in your face. In your eyes. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah.
2: Um, I get mad. Um, I get mad of a lot of. I get mad at injustice. I right. get mad at discrimination. I get mad when people look at, you know, I get mad at people parking on disability spaces. Handicap spaces are there for a reason. Uh-huh. You know, I get mad at that. It just makes me, pisses me off oh, so much that people don't, you know, they take those little things for granted. And when I talk about parking spaces, you should watch the, the, the TED Talk show Okay. With Mason Science. and her show is called N- uh, I got 99 problems and palsy is one okay. and you need to be hilarious. Okay. She has a disability and and she talks about how disability is is very visual and but is she's so funny and she talks about the parking spaces and is like don't do that. Uh-huh. Don't ever do that. That's like one of my things that pisses me off the most is that I'm around people with disabilities mm-hmm. and you, will, you don't know how hard it is to come to a, to a store where you need to get groceries or whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. And um, having to park yourself in a handicapped space it makes them work twice or three times as harder. Mm-hmm. And people with disabilities don't need that. They don't need your bullshit. They need you to just ask as a human being and do the things right. Mm-hmm. And I was very ignorant before. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that um, I actually I don't think I've ever parked in a handicapped spot that I'm not supposed to. But I was ignorant in the form that I would see really nice cars and handicapped. Spot. And it's like these people are not disabled. Right. right. Well, no, I I have friends of mine that are disabled They drive. Very nice cars, but uh-huh. not because they have the money, because there's so much money put into them of modification, so they can drive it. I have a right. friend who his van, it was a five hundred dollar payment. His social, his disability was six hundred dollars,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and his van payment was five hundred. But the but the dis, you know, the program he was in made a ninety thousand dollar investment to modify that van. So he says it was not worth worth it for me to buy a used van that was going to break in two, three years with $90,000 worth of modifications. Right. You know, so that's why they have, you know, good cars. Not because they can't afford them, but because it's better than not having a car and people drive nice cars. Yeah. So with disabilities, and they can drive them, you know, because they have all these modifications. So, yeah. You don't do that. And it makes me mad. So, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't take things for granted. Just walk off the extra calories that you ate with the and walk it off in the parking lot.
0: Yeah. Right. No, and and I think I think that's very important because a lot of organizations including the one I work at Race Forward, you know, we're always looking for ways to be more uh inclusive of folks who have disabilities. Um so it's very important to, you know, uh hear a personal narrative, you know, to to hear, you know, um because I mean, I honestly I I wouldn't think that that, you know, I mean, I see people parking in handicapped spaces, but I say, oh, you know, well, okay. But like now I see like no, it's like something urgent, like it's something that people should not do. <laughs>
2: Yes, and respect the meters, too. If it says do not park within five um, feet from this, don't do that. Don't park close to them. The ramps go off, and sometimes the ramps need about four or five feet extension aside Uh to be able to roll over down the 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 wheelchair and you know that's why there are signs there specifically for that and those are accommodations that they need not because they want to mm-hmm. i don't think that i would want to be in a wheelchair you know is sometimes it just it happens life happens mm-hmm. um whatever the situation was like i said whether they were born with it and they were used to it, or whether it was an accident that made them like that but you know those things are there for a reason and sometimes we are so ignorant about it like i said i used to be very ignorant mm-hmm. Like, why do they need so much space, you know? um. But well, I never thought about, well, the ramp comes under the van. There's usually a ramp, and it's automatically. You open the door, the ramp comes down, and it needs to stand out, you know, as far as whatever the limit is because mm-hmm. that's how they roll over, uh, roll out of the, the van. So, you know, things like that, that and like I said, as, as immigrants, we have already been through the struggle enough or having to leave our home country to be able to get a better life or to give our children a better life. Mm-hmm. I think that because we understand what the struggle is, at least in that sense, that when we're in this country, we need to understand other people's struggles as well. Mm-hmm. Whether you're an immigrant, whether you're a person with disability, whether you, you, there's a person in your family with a disability, whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. I think that As immigrants, we, you know, we need to know, you know, the struggle of other people as well and not just judge. It happens. But I think that, you know, I try to, I'm not, I'm not an angel, Mm -hmm. definitely not. I don't like people when they say, oh, you're so nice. Well, believe me, sometimes I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, you (laughs) know. I have I have an issue with people, I, I have an issue sometimes accepting compliments because it's like, no, I I know I could be doing more and mm-hmm. I can't. And, you know, or uh, sometimes I, I, I think about being a little bit selfish with my time and said, well, I'm not going to do this today. Right. And, you know, I think about those things and not everybody has that mind, mindset mm-hmm. and I, I respect people's mindset. You know, I respect them and they say, well, I, you know, volunteering is not for me. Right. Um, and I respect that. But I said, you know, if you really want to make a change, sometimes the change has to. And it, we see it on images and inspirational quotes and all of that. The change has to start with us, right. with you, with me, and one little step at a time. So, yeah, definitely when when we don't know something, we just need to look into it and before we open our mouth. Yeah.
0: Basically. And like you're saying, los granitos everybody puts on their little granito and like then you you start building
1: uh
0: yeah well okay you had mentioned wisconsin before and um i think we have about 15 minutes left see these interviews go so fast because there's always so much to talk yeah. about um so for this interview i was watching the clip back um, of the town hall with paul ryan and um you know you had shared your you had shared that you know your name that you were of four of three sorry three four i'm not sure uh, four four okay and that um you know you you had DACA. and it was so interesting to see he was just like mhm yeah and and so like he was like nodding along and then you finished and then he was like well you know i, I you know i really hope that you know you're going to succeed in this country and i, I you know i i really you know if you're wor- worried about the deportation force like you don't have to be worried and like but like you know so i was just watching him and I, you know, when the camera kept panning back to you, I, I kept seeing you wanting to speak and wanting to say something. What was going through your mind as he was speaking? Oh my
2: gosh, they not There was a lot of stuff going on. I don't remember everything that was mm-hmm. going through my mind. He was looking down, and I do want you know I want to just clarify a little bit because I know there was people out there that oh he didn't even look her in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down. So where he was standing, he was looking directly at me, mm-hmm. but because I was, I'm sure, and then it was in the stage, definitely yeah. looked like he wasn't really paying attention. But even looking at him in the eye, I still didn't believe everything he told me when he said, I sh- you know, I do not think you should be deported. Mm-hmm why i think that is because he has had the opportunity to bring out the the immigration reform bill that was passed in 2003 in the senate mm-hmm. and he has not allowed it to continue in the house right. so he could have done something not just for me but for everyone else that was going to benefit from that because mm-hmm. one of the the people think is very ignorant that they think that this is an amnesty and it was not going to be an amnesty mm-hmm. even with that immigration reform there was going to be an enforcement package attached to it Mm -hmm. that a lot of people were not going to be eligible for it. So when he was looking at me, one of the things that I wanted to say so much.
0: And say it, say it right here, right now.
2: (laughs) First of all, when he talked about, I should not think to be deported, but in the next year, because he said in the next 12 months that we're not going to talk about immigration is like, what do you mean that you're not going to talk about immigration in the next 12 months? Is that mean that I'm going to come back? And that Because he only said I sh- you should not be deported. I don't think that should be deported. And that the, the immigration, they talked about more about the border security within the next 12 months. Right. And it's like, so what does that mean? Am I going to have to come back and ask you the same question in 12 months and ask you if I should get deported? Because you only gave me a partial answer. Right. You went into the next year. So what's going to happen? happen in the next year is there something out there that is going to be a stake for us like are you going to give us at least as the dreamers you know like people with DACA uh-huh. you know even if benefit no he didn't say that he stopped and continued about turning around and looking at the other lady that had talked about from Arizona uh-huh. about her son being a police officer had been killed out of three-time offender that he had been deported mm-hmm. before and first of all I felt at that moment I felt like you know, I, it felt used by CNN because it's like, how can you put me after a story like that? You know, she is a white lady with a Hispanic name, mm-hmm. with a son in a police department that was killed by a three-time offender, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're putting that, you know, this person with undocumented with their daughter there. Mm -hmm. By the way, the guy that went after me in front of me was being racist the entire time we were there Mm -hmm. talking about these illegal immigrants. And nervous. And then, you know, how he blamed the illegal immigrants because of the drug trafficking and all that stuff because his son was addicted to a drug. You're blaming your son's death, being addicted to heroin on illegal drugs. But no, the person who sold the drugs to your son didn't make your son, you know, uh, addicted to him. You know, you're not forced to consume drugs. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And it's not that I'm against people who are struggling with addiction. No, Mm -hmm. but you have the choice to do that. You know, you have the choice of either taking the drugs or not. You're the one buying them, you know. Where were you as a dad? I'm a mother. Where were you as a dad to prevent prevent your son from being addicted to a drug, right? I know that as kids, we, you know, we reach to an age that we get to do the things, you know, we get to do whatever we want and we feel like we're adults. And I understand that. But going before that, going after that, maybe going uh, before the guy that talked about bringing back the conversation to the illegal immigration and, 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 you know, I feel like, okay, you're you're talking about as being an undocumented person, you know, connecting us with the crime. I am right. not a drug dealer, uh, dealer. I am not a rapist, you know. My kids are, you know, US citizens as well. They're not drug dealers and they're not race We should not be ashamed of who we are. Paul, Paul Ryan went back to the whole, we need to protect the border. We need to do that. Okay. If you go into, The ICE website, it talks about the border security has been so effective in the last uh, eight years that it says that they are 98 percent effective. Mm -hmm. So why do you need more border security Mm -hmm. if your own organizations or your own agencies are saying that it's already been secure? Mm There is already facts, actual facts that says that one out of every 10, I think, I, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, the security at the border it's at the low time low there's right. you know they're apprehending a lot of more um people coming into the country so when he goes back to that issue so that what does that mean am i coming back next year and ask you the same damn question to right. get protected for the next 12 months one thing he failed to mention is daca is out of his um, reach mm. daca was an executive order signed by president obama because we put pressure on him right and You know, that executive order could be gone with the, you know, a signature on a piece of paper, what Donald Trump has been doing. So even if he said, no, I think you should not be deported. Well, finish the damn question and answer what I asked you. But if you are already telling me that I should not get deported, then tell me, how are you going to help me with that? You hear that,
0: Paul Ryan? Uh, Do you hear that, Paul Ryan?
2: Yes, he's not giving me that security. He is a family person, too. He has kids. You know, he's a family guy. So why why can I, I cannot fight for my rights as well as he's fighting for his family rights and giving him and give himself maternity, you know, parental leave. <laughs> right. I don't know if you heard about it, but he didn't want, the, you know, the, the U.S. families to have family leave, but he for sure took his four-week right. vacation. Yeah. So, you know, things like that. So it's like, right, you know, am I coming back to ask you the same question? Right. Because people, a lot of what I was getting is, like, he didn't really answer the question, and he mm-hmm. did not. And I did not completely believe everything he said because he has had the opportunity to mm-hmm. bring back the immigration bill reform, the immigration reform bill that was passed by Senate, and he has not done it. And it was him to say, "What well, we're going to hear this bill, um, and he hasn't been doing that either. So I cannot rely on just his little answer that said, you know, yeah, I think you should not get deported.
0: Right. Yeah, and And, you know, I think, first of all, Jake Tapper and CNN, like, you know, in like, bringing The whole conversation around immigration like into that segment you know first the the lady who her son was slain um and then almost you know with your segment coming next it's like confounding the two issues within the mind of the american public so you know they're both completely separate issues that deserve their own separate time so yeah for for, so for that cnn what are you doing (laughs) um so you know i think that specifically this moment that i'm talking to you is very timely in the sense that, you know, what happened overnight with um, this young lady Guadalupe, who was sent, um, she, who was sent to Mexico, who was deported, um, and you know, she's a mother and she was, pro- and she's providing, and she was doing her check-in with, um, I think it, with the ICE office, I believe that she was doing every year, and you know, the advocates asked her not to go to to take sanctuary. And she put faith, and that's something you had mentioned before, faith. Um, she put faith okay. in the in the system, and now she's deported overnight. And essentially, like you know, she's leaving behind her two kids. Um, so, so when when I go back and I look at that clip and Paul Ryan saying there's no deportation force, there's no, you know, nothing's gonna happen. You know, you shouldn't be worried. This young lady who's who was providing for her family is gone from the United States overnight. Okay exactly
2: whenever he said that there's you know donald trump you know it's making believe that it's making everyone believe that there's this deportation machine but it is not well yes there is if there was not a deportation machine then how is it that under president obama they deported over four million people in these eight years Mm -hmm. now I don't believe that Donald Trump can do the same amount of deport because he's talking about he used to say in his campaign that he would deport three million people a year. I don't right. think that's doable. Right. But I do not believe that there is not a deportation uh, force. I am helping a, a, one of our volunteers here in Dream Act, Oklahoma. Her dad was just detained three days ago at a ch- ICE check. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of an ICE checkpoint here in Oklahoma. We're not a border city, for, you know, to have checkpoints all over the city. No, it was actually immigration. And I, and the reason why I know this is because um, she was driving by the street, saw the dad was pulled over, and she got off. She is a DACA person as uh-huh. well. She got off to ask. And mm-hmm. I asked her, I said, are you sure it was ICE? And she said, yes. Yes, because when I got up, uh, I got off on the car. She parked in like the little shopping center. She got off. She went out to see where her where her dad was, and she was talking to an actual ICE agent. And they mm-hmm. told them that they were going to take them in. So when you are looking at these things, they are they are happening? Yeah. They are happening. People are not crazy. People are not going delirious. It's not. Oh no, it couldn't be eyes. It might have right. been the police. No. No, she was so sure it was ICE because they even told her that they were calling the county, which is the sheriff, to come and pick him up, put it in the jail to put him in pers- in proceedings, and that's exactly what they did. So right now, uh, obviously, we hired an she hired an attorney and everything. So we're doing everything we can to do that, but it is happening. People need to be aware that not you know don't believe everything you know either because sometimes people are just making up stuff but it is happening and we need to make sure that we know our rights you know there is um there is statutes here in Oklahoma under the Oklahoma statute uh title 21 and I don't remember the section but there's like it says that if you are pulled over driving without a license it's not a cause for arrest mm-hmm. it's cause for a fine and it says, if you cannot pay the fine, then it's a, a rents warrant should be issued. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? If I pull over and I don't have a driver license on me, I can just get the ticket. You know, the officer can give me the ticket, take me to the county, pay the ticket, and then release yeah. There's not a reason why I should get the, uh, get, should get arrested. But it's happening. People are mm-hmm. getting arrested for minor traffic violations and taken into, the, into custody. Just because they're driving without a license. Right. So whenever we hear that, we just need to be aware it is happening and we need to learn about our rights. So that way we can at least have a fighting chance of, you know, staying in the United States.
0: And so what would you say to Paul Ryan, given all that, given the fact, you know, what he said on that stage and like what is actually happening? What would you say to him right now?
2: I would tell... Paul Ryan, that I appreciate that he said and he believes that I should not be deported. And I think at least that part, I can say that he was genuinely telling me that, yes, I should not get deported. Uh-huh. But I would tell him and I would say, Paul Ryan, it is happening. The deportation machine that you talked about, that it didn't exist, it, is, it, is, it, is, it does exist and it is happening people who have you know even a speeding ticket that i'm i i do not know if he's ever had a speeding ticket but i'm pretty sure that almost everyone might already had a speeding ticket at one yep. point in their lives I've had so like three, people, four. yeah i have my i had had my my own share of speeding tickets too um mm-hmm. you know it doesn't make me a criminal to have a speeding ticket i mean things happen sometimes you're running around to the doctor so i would tell him it does not make us a criminal trying to make a life here in this in, in the United States. And, and for sure, definitely, does not make us a criminal just because we're driving under the influence. I mean, not on the influence without a driver license. Under <laughs> the
0: influence. That's. <laughs> I, this, yeah. I would say under
2: the influence of the racist people. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. that was a good one.
1: Yeah.
2: I went. I, I, you know, I work at an attorney's office, so I mm. heal. I hear calls all the time people getting pulled over and obviously one is driving under the influence of alcohol alcohol. that is very common amongst hispanic people yeah um i was you know just like the lady talked about Mm -hmm. from Arizona losing a a son because of a drunk driver that was a train time returner you know he was Mm -hmm. important i was also um and i was involved in a car wreck in 2008 that I'm alive just for the grace of God and my daughter who at the time was 2 months old was alive, you know was um alive thanks to the fact that I didn't put the seatbelt on the car seat. Mm-hmm. If she would the guy struck our car right on the on the passenger side we were driving a Chevy Tahoe and I had my my husband had just locked my daughter between the both seats but it was it was very it was secure enough to where she was not going to move we were, we were driving about three quarters of a mile from our home. That's how far we were. And this drunk guy, which he was 19, undocumented, no license, with three DUIs and three hit and runs.
0: Mm.
2: He was 19 years old and undocumented, and he struck us at almost 120 miles per hour.
0: What? A hundred? Daughter.
2: Yes, my daughter from the back seat of the car just rolled over on her car seat. Um, to the other side, then got nothing happened to her, but the the firefighters did told us that if the, the seatbelt had locked on her on her because of the the way the car seat is made, it would have broken the car seat and she would probably be killed in the accident. It was God watching over us that day because we always put the seatbelt on her, and for some reason that day, I told my husband, "Well, we're just you know we're very close from the house." Yeah. So having to have believed that. Experience with an undocumented no-drive, it makes no difference it would have been a U.S. citizen. And I don't judge people who are undocumented because of that. Right. Because I'm also undocumented and I don't drive like that. I always be careful. I'm a human being and, you know, things do happen in life. And I'm not justifying them, but as, as immigrants, it happens to white people too. So yeah. Paul Ryan should know better than that. You know that you have a family just like Mm -hmm. mine. Your kids are U.S. citizens and have rights just like mine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm I'm a person that has DACA that I was brought to the United States no fault on my own, but it doesn't make my parents criminals either. They were fighting just like him to give them their kids a better future. Mm -hmm. And I would tell him that definitely there will be people that might maybe or may not be eligible for a benefit. Mm -hmm. for immigration but at the same time is they need to give us that opportunity Mm -hmm. United States is the land of opportunities but it doesn't mean that everybody takes advantage of those opportunities Mm -hmm. there's there's people of all kinds of backgrounds who are U.S. citizens who do not take you know who do not take advantage of those opportunities and are you going to blame us immigrants for them no it's wrong to do that yeah. So Paul Ryan needs to understand it, that you are saying I should not get deported. I understand that, but what are you doing to to fix that that problem? Right, you're not because right now he's doing nothing.
0: He's chilling. He's not doing anything.
2: Exactly. He's waiting for his next break. That's what he is.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, on Long Island, we see um, there are a lot of cases of um, people who are undocumented who decide to drive while drinking. And, you know, sometimes I, I wonder because, and I don't know what it is, but like, I feel like in Ecuador, in the Dominican Republic, you know, places that I've been, that I have family, it's common to do that. It's It's nothing, I don't know, it's, you know, people drink and drive and, you know, it's just... I don't know. Sometimes I wish that there was like some kind of like campaign, like to discourage people, just you know, from our you know of la raza to like not engage in that. You know that that's dangerous, etc. But I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's just something people decide to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a problem sometimes.
2: It is a problem, and I think that because we are immigrants, that we get attacked the most. Right. And um, just because there's that one. You know, one person that commits this crime, everybody gets judged by it. Right. But if a white person commits a crime, only that one it's person like gets judged. that one judge. person. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have the discrimination so bad. What it happened to this guy, I think it was Brooke, Brooke in, in California about the rape.
0: Okay.
2: He got three months in jail. Oh, Brock you know. Turner. Yes, Brock Turner. Yeah. Um, and he got three months in jail while the, the same crime that happened to an African-American got 25, you know, in jail. Crazy. We, whenever you're ignoring this, this um, actual fact, then it makes you it makes you very ignorant. Yeah. You know, and it makes you a racist mm. when you are a, a person, when you're a white person that are going out there and telling us as immigrants that we should get on the line just like your family did. Well, you know, back in your, when your family came, they had to just sign their fucking name on a book and they were in the country, you know,
0: and they had to like just open their mouths and like get checked, like see if they had something and then they would just be allowed in.
2: Exactly. exactly. That's exactly how, you know, the president's mom came to this country. Mm -hmm. There's the record books where it shows that she came in as a a housemate, as a house, a worker Um. And she only signed her name on a book, you know, but when you have politicians who have made this very hard rules about immigration and who enters to the country because they want to have the rich people coming into the country. Mm -hmm. But then they want to ignore and take advantage of of the cheap labor and they don't want to legalize that because they're taking advantage of that cheap labor and making themselves richer every time. Mm when you have that and you are very ignorant by saying get back in the line with there's, we know there's no freaking line to get back in, you know, people that, that see and say, well, you've been in the country for so long and you're still undocumented. Yes. The struggle is real with the immigration is. system. It's a freaking broken immigration system, everybody. And I'm talking about to these, you know, those Hispanics out there that supported Hillary Clinton and thinking that when, We were, you know, on the Bill Clinton administration that we did so good and that's why you supported what you're wrong. Right. Bill Clinton was was cosechando what Reagan had done, the amnesty that he did in 1996. It took almost 10 years for every single person who was under that amnesty to become legal and start contributing to the economy. Right. So when Clinton took over the presidency, it was most of what Reagan had done with the economy of legalizing millions of people back in 1996. Mm-hmm. When Bill Clinton became, and he went after the crime bill, and that's when everybody, that's when the whole freaking ten-year bar happened. Mm-hmm. When he made that, that's how he created all these illegal, uh, illegal system where it's keeping ICE undocumented for so long, mm-hmm. and even us in our com- our own community that we went out there and, and, and you know Hillary Clinton two thousand fourteen what did she say about the, the young kids that were that she clean sent back I think right exactly Yeah we should take care of the kids but we need to send them back. You know, she was not pro immigrant. Right. She it was just you know even even everything she was saying wasn't like I wouldn't I you know obviously it was like you know choose the lesser evil and I yes, kept that was that. the dilemma.
0: That was the dilemma. You know
2: but I cannot believe that the American people voted for someone who admittedly, um, you know, said he assaulted women, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, uh, they choose him over a lie. Right. You know, it's like, I can, I don't know where we are now. (laughs) Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. One of the, exactly. And then when he started doing the first, you know, he's, Donald Trump is, is fucking over everyone.
1: Yeah.
2: It is not a white, straight, rich male. Right. And people is realizing that he's doing this. And I think that everything that we're doing as organizations and you know educating our community, going out there and joining um actions that are coming up and the women's march.
1: Yeah.
2: Um we need to be doing that because now that they're realizing that they chose the wrong person, I hope something gets done about it. And, I, you know, my mom used to say, I que tocar fondo para ver si vamos a mejorar. So That's maybe true. this is what we needed. This is what the country needed. We probably needed to, you know, reach bottom to be able to come out better. So, it's going to be a very four long years. Hopefully
0: not four. Know.
2: I hope not four. <laughs> I hope it meets two. But, you know, we have to be also realistic in the yeah. way it's looking at right now. The way, the, you know, looking at right now, it, it seems like it might be four. So, uh, you know, just keep going and continue with our own struggles. But definitely stay together and, you know, go out there and volunteer. And the girl from Nevada you know it's never too late go up there and find the right organization that you want to volunteer with and get involved
0: yeah and so that's how i would love uh to end this um just you know these inspiring words that you have for um you know people right now like whether they're in Arizona fighting you know this deportation machine or like Oklahoma fighting these injustices or like here in New York where um the, I think the Senate didn't touch the New York State Dream Act. What What are some inspiring words that you could leave people with or some words of hope in this these, like, dark times?
2: Oh, pues muchos di- dichos. Se va a poner peor antes de que me- se ponga mejor. <laughs> right. No. I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's this song from El Tri de México que dice que somos la raza más chida, ¿no? Y luego nos de nuestras propias desgracias. And I think that we have, as as the immigrant community, we need to find the humor in what is happening because we cannot let ourselves, you know, be come down with the sad face. We go through, we already went through our troubles. You know, we made, you know, whether it was my parents who we got separated for a year before my dad decided to bring us to, you know, to, to the United States. And, and then as adults suffering to, you know, to know what we were going to be able to eat in the next day or whether we were going to have money, um, you know, from those struggles to the one that I, you know, I went through the fact that I was undocumented, no ID to be able to provide for my daughter's medicine because I couldn't. So we already have struggle enough and we're here today. And even me struggling with my depression and, you know, whatever, you know, things that I'm going on. And I think that, you know, I I always go on because it's like there's people out there who are going through even worse situations and they're making a living. Están tratando de moverse en seguir adelante. ¿Por qué yo no? Right. So we this is a very hard moment in, you in, know. In- our lives right now that we are being under attack. Everyone is being under attack. Mm-hmm. Women's are being under attack. Um, you know, with their, their our reproductive system is like, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to have birth control next month.
1: Right.
2: That, that is real. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'll have birth control and I already have four kids. I don't think I want any more, right. but that is real. You know, having African Americans being, You know, incarcerated at a very large rate, Um, immigrants committing suffering from deportations. We are being under attack. And I think the best way we can do is stay together, stay together, whether you believe in, in, in God, whether you're Catholic, Christian, whatever religion you are, if you're not even if you don't even have a religion, it doesn't matter everyone is under attack right now but this new administration and i think that the bit, we are stronger together right. and that's what i want to tell people right now and i you know i we want to end up with that with that sentimiento we are stronger together and the reason why we are under attack is because we are becoming more aware of our situations mm-hmm. and we are actually going out there and fighting for our rights and, and the politicians, these corporations that are running our country, they don't like that. Right. They don't like us to be on, on a, uh, to be educated. There's um, and I don't know it all by memory. I know so many things, but sometimes when I'm trying to say them, I forget. Totally. Pero hay un hay una quote que me gusta de Cesar Chavez mm-hmm. and not the president. Okay. Right. <laughs> este dice que cuando el el cambio social comienza cuando um, no a una persona que a leer, right. y no pueden que tiene orgullo mm-hmm. right so when we are when I listen to this and this is something that I've been opening up some of our meetings with this or when I speak you know this is what we need to put in our heads I cannot unlearn when I what I already learned Mm -hmm. and people cannot no me pueden humillar when there is not a reason to when I don't feel when I don't when I feel pride of who I am Mm -hmm. you need to share your story and you need to be proud of who you are when you're coming and when you come where you come from Mm -hmm. The the struggles that our country goes through is not our fault. It's the freaking government, and it sucks. Right. But just because of that, they can't blame what the government does. Tanto que se quejaban del presidente Peña Nieto, que, una, que era un estúpido incompetente, que sabe qué tanto. Right. ¿Dónde está Estados Unidos ahorita? Yep. Les tocó uno peor. Eso les pasa por andar uh.
1: no <laughs> Right.
2: Ahora... No es, se trata de echarlo en cara, pero se trata de, de decir eso. Estamos, somos la, la unidad hace la fuerza. And we are stronger together. Yeah. Keep that in mind and people need to get together. If you, there's so many volunteer opportunities within organizations in your state. I think that the one that is making us stronger are the immigrant organizations and the ACLOU because are the one, they're the ones who are putting all these lawsuits against them. Right. So we need to know what we can do and we don't have the money. We don't have the money, pero tenemos el tiempo.
0: Yeah, totally. And, uh, to- yeah. yeah, I mean, so, you know, if people have questions or they have, you know, can, is there somewhere that they can reach you where, you know, if they have just some questions or, you know, uh, regarding resources or organizations that you can perhaps point them to, what would be the best way for them to reach you?
2: Definitely. I mean United we dream is the largest the, the lar- largest uh, immigrant youth organization and it, it has about 26 different affiliates Oklahoma is one of them so you know I would say you want to reach out to maybe an immigrant organization within your city or your state you know reach out to United dot org mm-hmm. um, and then just type in your state you know go to affiliate you know locations in your city and then it would zip code and it will show you which one is closest to you um there's organizations obviously the aclu national and then they have one in each state um, reach out to them if you want to reach out to me personally find me on facebook okay. you know angelica villalobos i'm there um i can share my phone if you want i mean if you need to talk to yeah. someone we can do that as well if you want to reach out to me then reach out to me um I would encourage everyone to start sharing their stories, Mm -hmm. write them down, send them to your congressman, Um, you know, let them know what's going on. Definitely participate in city and city meetings like the city council meetings, um, Mm -hmm. because we also got to start at a lower, you know, at the lower level, we need Mm -hmm. to start our city council, move on into our state representatives and so on, because federal, even the Federal law only goes to a certain, you know, to a certain point. Right. Most of the anti-immigrant bills are happening within our states and our cities. Mm-hmm. So because of that, that means we need to pay more attention to our states and our cities. Um, you know, people only most of the time only go out and vote, like for every four years for president. But that's right. not how it works. You want a real, you know, you want to see real change, then elect the right people in the state. Um, So, you know, definitely you reach out to those organizations within the city.
0: Well, Angelica, thank you so much. You know, I'm very happy that I was able to bring you from CNN to my show. (laughs) Um, You know, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the the reason why I initially started the show was um, last year when there were the rumors of the deportation raids flying around social media. And I was like, so many people are talking to each other through social media. There's so many statuses. There's so many posts. But what if I could take those posts and statuses and, like, actually bring the people here to talk about them, um, to be able to hear their voices, to be able to send inspiring messages, to be able to report newsworthy things. Um, So I'm very happy I was able to, you know, get you to come here.
2: Well, thank you for the invitation again. Like I said, it's it's an honor to be at this type of, uh, you know, presentations and this type of engagements because, um, like I said, not everyone is willing to or doesn't... I mean, I don't think it's the courage, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I think it's more of self-conscious. You know, like, you know, I don't want to have the rejection. We are not rejecting anyone. Right. You know, you know, put your story out there. People would definitely have a change in mind when they listen to story like yours, like mine, Um, because we struggle. And like I said, they don't know your story unless you tell them. If -hmm. you want people to know what you go through and understand why you're here, then let them know. So definitely, thank you so much for that opportunity.
0: Yeah, thank you.